Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Our gospel lesson for this morning comes from John, the first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become the children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we who have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we all have received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. Here ends our gospel lesson. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Full disclosure here, uh, because we were lacking accompanists, I had to spend a lot of time practicing hymns. So I chose uh, to dust off a sermon from 2016 on this very same passage. So uh, we're getting a repeat, but the theology is sound. I made sure to edit it. Uh, Happy New Year. I hope 2016 treats us all well. (laughs) Well, This was the same Sunday. So, uh, Happy New Year. I hope 2020 or 2022 is quite a bit better than 2021. And I hope you all had a good New Year's Eve as well. Well, now that we have spent a lot of time and money this year once again, celebrating when the Son of God was born among us, we find out in our gospel reading that the Son was never really born, but has existed forever. Thanks a lot for telling us, Jesus. I mean, you could have saved us a lot of effort, money, and energy if you had just told us that every day is like Christmas, right? Because you've always been with us. At least we know for next year, gang. Obviously, I'm just kidding about those things, but the subtle details of the Incarnation can be easy to forget. So it is worth pointing out that that in the Incarnation, the Son of God was not born into existence, 
but only took on human form. As our reading from John states, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, the Son of God, existed before the world was created, and is the second person of the Trinity. The Trinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit did not begin to exist in roughly the year 1 AD when Jesus was born, but has always always existed and will always exist forever and ever. The incarnation and then birth of Jesus Christ was the event when the Son of God took on human form, was born, eventually died, and was resurrected from the dead to continue to live eternally forever having joined heaven and earth together again. Now, I know I'm throwing a lot of theological jargon at you, which I'm sure you all remember from six years ago. (laughs) And while these ideas are important, they can get confusing at times. The details of who the Son of God was before the Incarnation, during the life of Jesus on earth, and who and where Jesus is after his resurrection and ascension is stuff that can be so complicated to understand and it can be, then it can, that it can occupy hundreds of hours of graduate study, paper writing, and testing. I know this firsthand because I have recently completed hundreds of hours of graduate study, paper writing, and testing on the subject. The basics, the basics of this beautiful gospel passage and the significance of what it means for the Son of God to have been present and active in the moment and work of creation is something that the whole world can stand in awe of. First off, one of the primary things that this passage proclaims is that Jesus is the Son of God. We say this a lot around here, right? But we should not take for granted the fact that we say and believe that Jesus is God precisely because Scripture says that Jesus is the Son of God. We didn't make it up on our own somehow. Now, in this passage, the Son of God is not referred to as the Son, but is instead uh, referred to as the Word. In Greek, the word which is translated as word in English is logos, which is only adequately uh, translated to mean word. For us, in English, word refers to language in various forms, such as words we say, or words we write, or even words we text with our phones, or message on Facebook, or whatever, so long as we are not texting symbols like LOL, or the countless smiley faces and other emojis that are out there these days. I'm sure you guys are all super into texting emojis, right? It's not just the high school. Okay. (laughs) But in Greek, the term logos had much greater and wider meaning, and it was used to signify the highest pursuit for many ancient people, wisdom or understanding. Translated this way, logos can be understood as the wisdom or understanding of God. Better yet, it can be translated as the truth of God. If we translated our passage this way, it would sound like, in the beginning was the truth, 
And the truth was with God. And the truth was God. It has a little bit of a different ring to it that way. All this is to say that the English term word is a bit more limited than its Greek counterpart. And that we should look beyond the limitations of our language to see that the writer of John really was, is referring to Jesus as the Son of God. The Son of God is the Word of God, the wisdom of God, the truth of God, and the understanding of God. The Son is indeed the Word, but this designation also means much more than we can capture in a single translation. Secondly, another basic truth that this passage proclaims to us is that the Word, the Son of God, was present in the formation of the universe and continues to be present throughout the world while simultaneously being with God. This means that we do not need to separate ourselves from the rest of creation and the world in order to find the Son, because the Son is, was, and always will be present in all of creation. This is a subtle but profound truth that is lost on many Christians. While we seek to be reformed and, and make changes in our lives to conform to the Christ in whom we believe and serve, it is easy to lose sight of the fact that God is with us all along, no matter what shape our lives may be in. For instance, as this is the season of resolutions, many of us discern that it will be good for us to make changes in our lives from time to time. Many make resolutions to lose weight, save more money for financial security or retirement, to stop drinking or to read more books. Personally, I am resolving this year to fall down fewer mountains. And it's probably the same as in 2016. <laughs> right? <clears throat> you know, it's important to make healthy changes in life. And it is healthy for me not to fall down mountains. Just kidding. Falling down mountains is good for your health, right? <laughs> right, Otto and Freya? We were on the ski hill yesterday and we had some good crashes. <laughs> As Christians, we who, are, we who are called to follow Christ in our daily lives, it is easy to get wrapped up in seeing Christ in our lives when we succeed in changing things for the better. And it is hard to see Christ when we fail to make changes in our lives for the better. I've heard people say things like, God has really been with me lately since I've been working out more, enjoying my job more, and spending more time with friends and family. I rarely hear people say, I know God has been with me because I'm in a real rut. I'm stressed out all the time. I've been struggling to pay my bills. Praise God. Our gospel, <clears throat> our gospel passage from John, though, tells us that we need to look nowhere else for Christ in our lives than all around us. Jesus is the word of God who is present in the formation of the whole universe and is the light which illumines the darkness, has the world as his own, and makes God known to all the world. We come to know the Father through the Son who became flesh and lived among us. 
so that we might know and be reassured that God and the Son of God are with us all along. The work of the Christian, then, is not to bring God where God is not, but instead to help others see how God is present in their lives already, especially when God does not feel present. The reality that God is present throughout the world and merely needs to be perceived by those who do not perceive him already is a a truth that was lost on a character in Barbara Kingsolver's book, The Poisonwood Bible, which some of us read for book club last year. The book tells a story of the Price family who follow their father on a misguided Baptist mission to the Congo where he intended to bring God to where he believed that God did not already dwell. The Reverend's family, his wife and four daughters, have no choice in the matter to go on this mission or not. and struggle to adapt to their foreign environment with its different languages, customs, and culture. But were able to get by in the end. Their father, the leader of their whole missionary endeavor, could not adapt, nor could he give up on his belief that he was the only one who could bring God to the godless people in that mission field. By the end of it all, the tribal folks that he ministered to chose to accept democracy and exercise their first democratic vote to reject Christianity, largely in response to the missionaries' patronizing ministry. You see, the Reverend Price could not accept that God already dwelt in the Congo, just as God has dwelt in all of creation, from Jerusalem to Beijing, Oslo to Cape Town, and New York to New Delhi. He could not accept that his call as a missionary was to help people see the nature of God who already lived and dwelt among them. And so he was struck So he was stuck in a condescending cycle in which he insisted that the people needed God. And they defensively responded by declaring that God was already with them. Same is true in our own country, in our own time, in both different and similar ways. Many Christians try to insist that God does not dwell everywhere but only in holy hearts and places where holy hearts dwell. They try to say that God cannot be found in a bar because of the sacrilege that goes on there. Or I have heard it said, God is kept from many classrooms and universities because teachers and professors lead people away from trusting in the divine by giving pupils knowledge. Or I have heard it said, that technology and faith cannot coexist, so God cannot be found in households with TVs and computers. It's interesting reflecting on that sentence from six years ago and how technologies have led us through worship and ministry in new ways these past two years. These beliefs often result in one side failing to see God outside of how they themselves choose to live and worship, creating animosity and defensiveness on the part of those who do not agree with them. Instead, 
Our gospel lesson from John says that, God, that the Son of God is present throughout creation. There is no place on earth where, God, where the Son of God is not pleased to dwell. And only people who cannot perceive, or there are only some people who just struggle and cannot perceive God in their midst already. The work of the Christian then is not to bring God where God is not already, but to help others see the God who already loves everyone as they are. Sure, God does call us to make changes for the better. But the love and presence of God is not conditioned on how well we do at having faith in the divine. God is constantly with us in love already. Just as the Word, the Son of God, has always been from before the foundation of the world. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor.